Gonna tell everyone what you're drinking. Yeah, grapefruit, German grapefruit beer. Uh juice. This is grapefruit juice, uh, made by the Germans. My beer is American. Look, it kind of actually looks like Bob Steger on the side of it. Yeah, I guess. That's why I bought it specifically, because Bob Seeger is uh is a hero of mine. It's a shame we're doing this episode. <laughs> I'm just trying to win over our Detroit fans who are right now screaming at the top of their lungs. I can't believe they would do this to me. You should be doing a fucking ICP episode or an Eminem episode. They bring they bring Detroit down. I cannot be the only person who has ever wondered how Bob Seeger managed to get a record deal, right? No. So if you look into Bob Seeger's origin story, it truly seems as if this guy just joined every band who ever asked him to do anything and kept doing that over and over. Try a new band, try a new band, try a new band until something somehow finally clicked. He was dedicated, man. He was dedicated to the art. It seems like it was this or nothing else for this guy. He was not going to give it up. He wasn't actually going to be a blue collar dude like he sings so much about. He was refusing <laughs> to embrace his destiny working uh, on the, in a factory in Detroit. Yeah. I'm skipping all the details because it really is just such an unbelievably long list of band names and albums this dude was involved with before anyone really began to give any kind of fuck. And when people outside Michigan did start to give a fuck, it was because Bob Seeger got hired to be the opener on a tour for the band Kiss. So if anyone was wondering about this, the answer to why anyone outside of Michigan began to care about Bob Seeger, the reason is Kiss fans. Mm -hmm. Which I assume probably isn't even going to come off as a problem to Bob Seeger fans because yeah, they was, probably yes. legitimately like that shit. Yes, I was like, uh, and uh, everyone that's a Bob Seeger and or Kiss fan was like, duh, <laughs> duh. Again, Bob Seeger tried to sell this act for close to a decade, then something like eight albums before anyone outside Michigan ever started yeah, to they, give a fuck. They have like 18 fucking albums. That's just as Bob Seeger and the Silver Bullet band. Right, that's yes. not counting all the other shit that he did. Yes. And, but the thing about Michigan in the period of time when he was doing that, when he was in all these bands, this was when the world found out about The Stooges and MC5 and all of this other kick-ass stuff happening in Michigan. Cream Magazine was based out of Detroit at this time. Lester Bangs went up there to work for Cream, probably the actual most famous music critic to ever live, et cetera, et cetera. So after a while, what you get is that sort of hometown hero thing where yeah. these music journalists view Bob Seeger doing a hack version of the popular rock music that's all over the radio and the rest of the nation. But the rest of the nation doesn't give a fuck about Bob Seeger. So these writers get an inferiority complex about it and decide Bob Seeger's the best thing around and everyone who doesn't like him instead of that other stuff is just an idiot. In particular right now, I normally don't do this, but egregious behavior on this topic. I'm talking about a guy named Dave Marsh who was routinely published in Rolling Stone magazine and for some reason always had a massive hard on for Bob Seeger. Bob Seeger was just as good as John Fogarty or Van Morrison and he should be taken just as seriously as Bruce Springsteen, which is fucking laughable this dave marsh guy did this until about two albums after bob seeger actually did get popular in the rest of the nation and then guess what happened mm. guess what dave marsh did 
always happens when the underground thing gets popular. The person who was a fan all along doesn't like the new stuff. He very publicly starts talking about how like Bob Seger has sold out and he doesn't like the new stuff, even though it's indistinguishable. But has anyone heard a Bob Seger song that didn't sound like every other Bob Seger song? No. Like how could he possibly <laughs> sell out? He doesn't even have the vocal range to sell out, motherfucker. Yeah. He doesn't know different chords. Like this is what it is, and this is what it always was and always will be. So your reaction to this is just nuts. While we're on the topic of Dave Marsh, I'm not sure why anyone thought this guy was qualified to write about music in any capacity, because this is one of the dudes who tried to take a shit on everything Led Zeppelin ever released at the time. In real time, he's panning Led Zeppelin. And you can find an article that Dave Marsh wrote in 1977. I think this was in Rolling Stone. It might have been in Cream. I don't remember. The point of the article was ostensibly to help readers understand this new word everyone was throwing around, punk. Dave Marsh sincerely tries to make the case that Mick Jagger and wait for it, Bob Seeger qualify <laughs> as punk. Just the punk. epitome of a know nothing raucous music critic. But yeah, that's the degree to which this guy would go so far out of his way to cheerlead for Bob Seeger and work Bob Seeger's name into probably half the shit he published on any topic for close to a decade, consistently laying the groundwork for Bob Seger to eventually break through to national success. And then regrets it, apparently. He fucking hates Bob Seger's albums after that. So it's just like, dude, you did this. At least be happy about it. Yeah, well, two things. A, that's why this podcast exists, because music journalism and critique has always been so jokishly fucking stupid. Because of shit like that, somebody's saying that Bob Seger is punk. punk Are you fucking fuck, kidding me? Punk yes. fuck. Yes, Bob Seger screams punk rock. Are you kidding me? Never mind the Ford factory. Here comes Bob Seger. <laughs> what a Bob Seger album that all of a sudden you go, no, this album sucks. What the fuck difference was it between number 12 and number 14? Someone like claimed that ACDC sold out at some point. It's like, dude, do your ears work? Sorry, no offense, have you been pretending to be able to hear this entire time? If so, magnificent job. Very impressive. Yeah. But you can't hear, right? Literally no difference. It is the same album. They slightly changed the lyrics to the same shit. How the hell do you think it's any different? There's 18 albums of Bob Seger, 17 of which are the same one and the other album's a live album. Like, get the fuck out of here. But again, this is why you can never trust music critics. Only trust us because we are the ones that will not lie to you. You have to be disingenuous and blow smoke up people's asses and say, Bob, you're fucking great. You're the most punk rock person I've ever met. Another thing that's hilarious about this, it's very funny that when Bob Seger did break through to national success, it happened under the name Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band because A, nobody gives a damn about whoever the guys in the silver bullet band even are. I don't know a single one of their names. If you do, you're weird. And B Bob Seger used session musicians so much in the studio that one of the dudes in the silver bullet band quit over it. Meaning you're not even listening to Bob Seger and the silver bullet band on most of the shit that you like from those albums. 
Yeah, what is the, what is the silver bullet, man? It's just it's a rotating group of human beings that could literally be anybody. And basically, his touring band, who he didn't think was good enough to make albums. There are some songs that he wrote like four years before they were recorded, and he didn't even try to record them with his band because he's like, I had to wait until I had musicians who could play it. <laughs> and then when you go listen to Bob Seger songs, you're like, why? Yeah, how, I was going to say. How bad of musicians were these people? It's just like there's a wild thing of like, <laughs> wait, you couldn't find people to play this? Either A, you're full of shit, or B, the people that were playing you were way worse than we are even going to say because there's nothing happening in any of these songs that somebody who hasn't played guitar, drums, or bass for like a year couldn't play. This is like where you start. The first day, it's like, let's learn these Bob Seger songs because they're so fucking easy. Turn the page and Jerry Rafferty's Bleecker Street are probably tied for the song that a new saxophone player wants to learn first. Mm -hmm. There's nothing in Turn the Page that's even remotely <laughs> difficult. <laughs> yeah. You don't even need to be a saxophone. Yeah, fuck saxophone. Just go. I would be really curious to know if anyone's like buying Bob Seger albums even used in the year 2023. I know millions of people bought Night Moves and the one that came out after that with uh, Hollywood Nights on it. It was kind of like a rumors by Fleetwood Mac situation. If you owned a record player, you bought that album that year. Lots of bands from that era, musicians, will stand the test of time. A new generation of idiots that have terrible taste in music going like, oh my God, Fleetwood Mac's song is so good. I don't think Bob Seger's songs, most of them, if any of them, will actually hold up to the future whatsoever. So here's what I would say is I think a fun experiment for a lot of people to do because we always get comments on every single episode that's like, I've never even heard of this band. What I would encourage you to do is go to the This Is Bob Seger playlist on Spotify, press play on the first song and just see how long it takes to get to a song that you have not heard before. If you drink in bars, you've heard, yes. I'm going to guess yes. 30 of this guy's songs. Yeah. He, I mean, he had a lot of hits, but it's just shit that you hear on a playlist in a sports bar and you've never even realized all these songs are by the same dude, let alone what his name is. That is Bob Seger to a fucking T though. If you are a social person that goes out and drinks in a bar that is a dive bar or sports bar or a biker bar or a neighborhood bar that has a jukebox. If you can smoke in there, I you've heard Bob Seger. <laughs> For sure. If you could still smoke in there, 2023. There's a good chance right now if you're in a smoking bar, Bob Seger's actually playing right this second. You just don't maybe now even realize that Bob Seger is the artist that you're listening to. Bob Seger is quite literally boomer bar music. If there's karaoke, a hundred fucking percent, someone's doing a Bob Seger song. Well, yeah, because you can sing it. Because anybody can sing it. Part two of Bob Seger sucks. Uh, Bob Seger can't sing for shit. Speaking of that, the other issue with all of these songs being about the same thing is the voice. The voice saying all of this shit to you, all this monotonous shit to you, is trying to do it via some half-ass impersonation of John Fogarty, mm -hmm. which is weird because John Fogarty wrote songs for Creedence Clearwater that you could almost call mystical in their ability to suggest the presence of larger-than-life forces in the world, which is why his voice sounds fucking awesome when he's singing about a bad moon rising or running through a jungle or not being born a rich piece of shit. And Bob Seger just sounds like he probably is going to take a wicked shit after this show. 
Maybe that's why people like it though too. He's like trying to sing while clenching his asshole as hard as he can. <laughs> they like Bob Seger because he sings about their life. And then uh, he also can't sing. So they can't sing. And they're like, I can't sing Led Zeppelin songs or literally any other. God, could you imagine him trying to sing immigrant song? No, Bob Seger, no. Bob Seger do an immigrant song. <laughs> oh, uh, speaking of that, uh, Robert Plant's about to catch a stray right now. Uh, like six months ago, someone brought to my attention some interview where Robert Plant talks about doing immigrant song with one of his newer bands at some point in the past five, 10 years or something like that. In this interview, he's talking about, yeah, we uh, dusted off Immigrant Song, and I was just amazed that I could still do that. So I'm like, all right, Robert Plant, that show probably was videotaped yes. by someone. And so can. I go to YouTube and look, I don't remember what it is, but if you want to see how much Robert Plant cannot fucking sing that song anymore, there is video evidence available. So yeah, it, just imagine Bob Seger trying to pull that off at any point in his career. The people doing Bob Seger songs of karaoke can sing better than Bob Seger. Not only now, when he's 75, but probably when he was 35. On the album. You know a songwriter's entire career is about to be some bullshit when they cite Chris Christopherson's Me and Bobby McGee as one of the biggest early influences on their writing style. Mm. Completely fuck Me and Bobby McGee. The problem with Me and Bobby McGee, definitely Chris Christopherson's worst song, made much worse by Janis Joplin singing it. If you were a semi-truck driver and you picked up a couple of hitchhikers and one of them pulled a harmonica out, tell me with a straight face that you would not immediately pull over and tell them to get the fuck out of your truck. <laughs> There's no world in which a truck driver's like, hell yeah, man, can't wait to see what's about to happen now. Stinky fucking hippie pulls a harmonica out. This is a knife. It's like, what yeah. is the other, your other one? You got a knife? You're gonna How, how are you going to make me listen to this? The uh, romantic idea of what truck drivers and actual blue-collar folk are like yeah. Like the romanticization of it versus the actual reality driving for 16 hours or whatever it is. If you actually were doing that and picking up somebody with a harmonica, you would literally kill them 100%. Oh, There's yeah. zero chance you would survive. A trucker would kill you. Large Marge, you know what I mean? Like in Pee Wee's Playhouse. Plus you're on truck stop meth. Yes, of course. Like you're, this person is dying. They're hopped up on all sorts of shit. And then just how completely out of touch with reality and privileged as shit you have to be to write a lyric like freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. Get the fuck out of my truck. So yeah, Bob Seger heard that song and was like, oh, nailed it, Chris. Can't wait. Can't <laughs> wait to start writing my own song someday. <laughs> I do love it when people have terrible inspiration. I mean, that explains a lot, but it what does. the fuck, dude? <laughs> yes. I was really inspired by the song. Uh, do you know the song Black Velvet? Uh, that really spoke to me and yeah. made me want to start a band. Mm -hmm. So then when Bob Seger did start writing songs, he just started writing the same song over and over again. Nearly every Bob Seger song is exactly the same song. Not a great song. It's not an original song or anything that 95% of the people listening to this right now couldn't sit down and figure out how to do yourself in like an hour yeah, I definitely have only ever listened to Bob Seger songs against my will in a bar. And I've never actually listened to Bob Seger on purpose ever until this episode. So how much of Bob Seger's popularity really is just because you've never actually listened to the albums, like the songs back to back to back. You've only ever heard them with loud people screaming in your ear about their day and how they're drunk and the smell of whiskey on their breath or something. Man, this song is so fucking good. But in reality, if you were sober listening to the songs back to back to back, you'd be like, well, it all kind of actually sounds the same. 
I definitely did not realize how much the songs sound the exact same. I'm going to just listen to these songs all the way through. And I was like, wait, the intro to this song sounds just like I actually thought, oh, maybe it's the live version. And it wasn't. It was a totally different song. And I was like, what the fuck, man? Then lyrically, they are all about exactly the same thing. Listen to the song Main Street and ask yourself how it's different from basically every other Bob Seger song you've ever heard. And what purpose there is for it to exist at all when there are all these other Bob Seger songs that are about the same thing. And then internalize the fact that that song was a top 40 hit in mm-hmm. this great nation of ours. <laughs> the topical matter of Bob Seger's entire body of work can be summed up as you got to keep rocking, even though sometimes it's kind of a drag to rock. You just got to keep doing it because that's the only way to honor the way you grew up out there in the streets when you were young and, you know, trying to rock and see boobs. It's only at this point in your life that you can even understand the true value of all those rock and boobs you saw because now you're getting old. But don't worry about trying to do things that matter before you die. What you're going to want to do is just retreat into your oh so fond memories of being young, touching more boobs than you're going to get to touch this year, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. The only Bob Seger song I can even think of off the top of my head that wouldn't be covered by that description I just gave would be Shakedown from the Beverly Hills Cop 2 soundtrack. <laughs> and even though that was a big hit for Bob Seger, it's hardly fair to even call that a Bob Seger song because it was so very obviously, if you're familiar with the career of Glenn Fry, post-Eagles, Glenn Fry, uh, very obviously supposed to be a Glenn Fry song, but Glenn lost his voice. So the movie people brought in Bob Seger at the last minute. He made up some bullshit lyrics about trying to be a badass cop in LA, and then that's what that song is. Mm. Other than that, you are looking at one of the most deeply solipsistic and trash songwriters. All of this stuff is just about what this guy's life used to be like versus what it's like now or what it's going to be like soon. And it's not like he's even particularly good at talking about that. Night Moves is maybe the worst song that is at least partly about losing your virginity. And that's saying something. There's some real dogs in that genre of song. There's like a, a poetry to being a good songwriter and innuendo and all that stuff. Bob Seger just sings it straight down the fucking middle. It just is what it is. But uh, how do you just keep going back to the same well in your head of like, I'm going to write another song about working a 24-hour shift? When Bob Seger got handed to us by our very advanced AI algorithm very that, advanced. that picks the subjects of the episodes, mm-hmm. at first I was like, ooh, damn, that's going to be hard because... One of the things that makes it very easy for us to do an episode on a band is when they are pretentious. That's not a word that you're going to hear a lot of people use to describe Bob Seger until right now. You would think, but Tyler, how could these lyrics possibly be pretentious? Well, check this out. In the song Night Moves, you just said that like there's a poetry and people are trying to reach for poetry. He, he is. It's just that he's so bad at it. It doesn't even track that way to people. Even if you want to disregard the way he refers to the particular set of boobs in that song as points all her own sitting way up high, way up firm and high, which is a ridiculous way to describe a rack. And it's only there because he had just referred to the sharp points of the shoes that he used to wear at this time. Aside from that, which is pretty bad and could have just focused on that entirely for probably another five minutes. There is so much evidence of him just reaching for complete nonsense lines and throwing them in there only because they rhyme. Listen to all the bullshit he crams into the third verse of Night Moves. By the time you get to the third verse, you're obviously either on board with this bullshit or not. So fuck it. Why keep trying, right? Is I'm guessing his thought process. 
Here are these lyrics. We weren't in love. Oh no, far from it. We weren't searching for some pie in the sky summit. Sir, that is an insane way to refer to young love, even in a song from the 1970s about memories from the 1960s. Pie in the sky summit. Have you been listening to fucking Frank Sinatra's high hopes or what in the hell? Listen, baby, I ain't talking about no uh, pie in the sky summit. I'm just trying to fuck, you know, <laughs> if you said that to a woman, she wouldn't even know what language you were trying to. You think you're having a stroke? Probably. <laughs> That's the, somebody at some point probably actually regurgitated these bobs. Oh, yeah. Lyrics. Try it like, out. Trying to get laid. You know what I mean? Like, it's definitely <laughs> happened. All right, all right, all right. We weren't searching for some pie in the sky summit. We were just young and restless and bored, living by the sword, and we'd steal away every chance we could. D- what? Why did he start talking about a sword right there, dude? Are you taking a break from a LARPing, like a Dungeons and Dragons LARPing contest to go fuck in the back of a car? Dude, maybe he's referencing his cock. I don't think Maybe so. Maybe he's like his, his cock sword. The saying is live by the sword, die by the sword. Yeah, so he's, he's going to kill her with his dick. <laughs> He's saying, live by my cock, die by my cock. This is a very dark interpretation of this song that you did. (laughs) I'm just saying. It's weird, but it's possible. There's there's not a single other reference to violence in these lyrics, unless you count the violence Bob Seger does to the concept of creative writing (laughs) when he wrote this down. Certainly no. It's wordplay, dude. It's not, though. It's no. That's pretentious. The definition of being pretentious creatively is trying to do something that is beyond your means to do. And even though this is just an attempt to do a basic down to earth, reminiscent, nostalgic thing, it's still so incompetently handled. I like to think it was maybe it was like a bet. There's no way, dude, you can't incorporate sword into this song. I guarantee you it's not. Do two lines of coke and fucking watch you write this song. He probably actually owns a rhyming dictionary, which is an insult that people make to a lot of writers and almost no songwriters actually do own rhyming dictionaries. He probably does. What rhymes with bored? Dude, if that's it, that would be so fucking stupid. And they had to go look it up. Oh my God, rhyme scheming 101. This is pre-computer, so it really was like a legit book where he's like, all right, hold on. Let me think here. Sword is kind of cock-like. I kind of like that. Now that we've sold a bunch of shirts, maybe people will start responding to them wearing our shirt. We get tagged in posts all the time, I see. Yeah, if you get a shirt. At yfbspod.com. I want to hear the stories. Oh, I definitely want to hear some stories. I bet it's a lot of people laughing at the shirt. I bet when you're walking around in a shirt that says your favorite band sucks on it, you get a lot of people who aren't dumb as fuck going, that shirt's funny. I hope. It's a great conversation starter. Or ender. If you're a single person and you're someone that goes on dates, you should buy a shirt and wear it on a date. Mm-hmm. It's a great litmus test. Figure out right away. Oh, this person I'm going on this date with, his favorite band is Weezer. Text your friend. Hey, uh, can you call me in a minute and tell me that you really need my help? Get the fuck out of there. Yeah. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. On this side of history, can you imagine living in a universe where the song Like a Rock by Bob Seger exists and it's not about Chevy trucks? Uh uh-uh. uh. Whoever picked that song for those commercials nailed it. Oh my because, God. Like, 
it's there's just no other way to hear that song now. And then when you go and look at it, you wrote this song's about your dick, isn't it? It's a song about like how firm he was when he was younger. It's a song yeah. about like getting old. It's like, He's, dude, this yeah. song's about your cock, right? This song's about his sword, dude. Now that we're on this, it makes me want to go back and look at every like how many yeah. of these songs are about this guy's cock? I'm telling you, there's his probably an under old boners. We, we totally missed the entire underlying story. This is all these songs, which okay, for the younger generation of people that listen to this podcast. If it came on, you knew that it specifically was a Chevy truck commercial. You could close your eyes and hear that song and go, commercial for trucks. Chevy had so much money at the time. It was one of those commercials that would come on every commercial break while you're watching oh the show. Oh my God. Sometimes twice. Sometimes that commercial would play, there would be a different commercial, and then the fucking Like a Rock Chevy commercial would play again before you even got back to your show. I don't know how there's anyone who doesn't absolutely hate this song mm -hmm. from the years 1991 until 2004, almost 15 years. This song was in truck commercials, like oh my the God, most yes. seen truck commercials. Oh, it's insane. Like a cock. I was hard as I could be. It was like, uh, it actually gave me PTSD to my childhood. It was so like entrenched in my brain. If you watched Monday Night Football, there was two songs that you knew. Are you ready for some football? That song and fucking Like a Rock. Yeah, speaking of Hank Jr., way better than Bob Seger. So uh, if you haven't listened to Hank Jr.'s classic stuff recently, do check that out. Yes, there's uh, levels to this in Bob Seger's. Well, I guess Bob Seger would be like the intro shit. Oh, I like that. And then you're supposed to move past it. But for some people, they get stuck at level one. Oh, this is level one. I'm just going to stay here and listen to Bob Seger for the rest of my life. Like a rock. What if every song is actually secretly about his dick? Uh, I Now I'm ready now to. You wonder. I'm half convinced without even looking it up. I mean, how many of these songs are about his dick? At least God, two. Dude. At least two of the very biggest ones probably about this guy's cock. I will say this. If you're like a songwriter. I guess just, just write songs about your dick. All man. you would want to do. It, the size, this the size. We're just gonna. This is not all I'm thinking about. <laughs> no, this is about to get real Freudian. Yeah, up in here. <laughs> no shit. Goddamn. Uh, if all he did was write that song, the amount of money that he would have would be oh stupid. Stupid. Yeah. You would have to try to go broke with that kind of money. Oh my god. Just off that. I mean, there's no way when they made that deal, correct me if I'm wrong, anyone, but there's no way when they made that deal for the first one that Chevy was like, yeah, we want to use this song in truck commercials for the next 15 years. So Probably that's not. The, the length of the contract. No. So at some point they were like, fuck, this is working like gangbusters. Yes. Let's hit this dude up and negotiate to keep this song. At which point, if you're going to get paid, why would you not say, all right, if it's working that well, $10 million. Back then, what Chevy should have done is just bought the rights to the song. We're going to give you $10 million, and this is our song now. It was used that much that it probably would have been cheaper for them just to buy the rights to the song forever. What do people who've never been in a band relate to about the song Turn the Page? A song is very clearly about being in a band, so I don't know why anyone who's never been in a band likes that song. Well, and there's also a moment in the song that I just really thought about on the way over. It's kind of weird. When you think about the woman or the girl you knew the night before, woman or the girl like why wouldn't you just leave it at woman like did Wait, you that's girl? how it goes yes it's, it's, you think about the woman or the girl you knew the night before i didn't even notice that ever. yeah i didn't that's either so clumsy that i probably just my brain was just yeah, like no don't pay attention to that exactly <laughs> dude i just for the first time on the way literally driving over here listening to it and i was like what a weird thing to say that's really fucking weird does james hetfield do that in the metallica cover too? i don't know i don't know i i think so 
Definitely better when Metallica plays that song. Oh my God, way better. I'm so glad that you said it because I was going to say it. The original is just kind of fucking wimpy, honestly. It's like, dude, you're just complaining right now. This whole song is just you complaining. If you don't like the way rednecks and truck stops talk shit about you having long hair, if you care so much about it, stop writing this little bitchy song and just cut your fucking hair, dude. Or punch them. Cut your hair or punch them. But what you don't do is write this weak ass song you think about the woman or the girl you knew the night before okay yeah that That's makes it weird well it's creepy kind of exactly because he if he's thinking about it he's like wait well, nah you really couldn't describe her as a woman though okay bob then uh did you check an id perhaps i know that's it's just it's just a weird thing also it does kind of sound like he's complaining about being a very rich guy which he wasn't when this song no. came out but it's really funny it's kind of like uh, acdc long way to the top where it's like y'all don't know anything about the top you're nowhere near the top when you write this song it's just uh kind of complaining or the difficulty it's just so hard out here on the road and it's like motherfucker the guys working in the factory and women working in the factory have a hard fucking life or sitting in a goddamn cubicle in front of a fucking computer wasting your life weight is a hard life. Getting to go out and play rock and roll every day. Do you think it's hard to sweat for an hour on stage? Go, go check out the fucking Chevy factory and it's, look at those dudes shirts. It's never that fucking bad to be on the road again, Bob. What are you doing for a living, Bob? Fucking touring? Seeing the country? Holy shit. You got to take a shit in a fucking public bathroom, dude. Wow. What a rough life. It sounds a little shitty to me. I'm sorry, but come on. It seems like such an unrelatable song. It's right? entitled. But it's one of his hugest hits. I could see how people in a band, you know, they're like having a bad day and they hear this song and they're like, yeah, I guess this does kind of is a drag sometimes. Yeah. But I could see that. What is literally everyone else identifying with in this song being a star and everything. It's like, what are you talking about, dude? You work at McDonald's. Yeah. Strung out from the road. You drove three miles from home to your job today. Like you, what the fuck? Are uh, you? You're insinuating what? That you get to bang women or girls <laughs> I know, every day? Dude, no, all this pussy is such a drag, dude. It's, <laughs> I swear. Fuck? No, it sounds cool. You would hate it though. That's you would actually hate it. You know how much cocaine I have to do to keep this up, dude? It's fucking hard. It's hard, man. I'm strung out from the road, dude. This is a hard goddamn life. Like, <laughs> all the while, everyone singing it is like actually working hard ass fucking <laughs> lives and grinding themselves to a pulp to make minimum wage. Buster just goes backstage and starts shoveling the deli tray into his mouth. <laughs> blowjob! Where's the blowjob? Next blowjob! Nobody actually sees this it that sucks. way. sucks! <laughs> Poor Bob living that crazy life of banging girls and doing below obviously the worst bob seeger song is old dime rock and roll i can't imagine that there are even any bob seeger fans who would try to argue about this i hate that fucking song well right off the bat it's not an old time rock and roll song if you like old time rock and roll so much why aren't you doing an old time rock and roll song right now while singing about old time rock and roll it makes about as much sense as a country song about how much you like rap or a rap song about how much you like country. <laughs> Why are you singing about old time rock and roll atop of music that sounds like the rest of your generic 70s bullshit rock music, man? And question, what era of rock music is he referring to as old time rock and roll? This song came out in 1979. Right as disco was happening. So aside from the resurgence of alt rock in the 90s, any of that genre's history could have been what he was talking about. 
anything from Led Zeppelin to Bo Diddley. What old time rock and roll? But I guess just leaving it open ended makes for a song that more people can project their own bullshit into. Whatever kind of rock he's talking about, he says it soothes his soul. And that sounds like some real bitch shit. So maybe this is a type of rock and roll that you and I have never even heard of. He says he'll sit and listen to it by himself. Dude, if you're sitting down, I think it is safe to assume that this old time rock and roll does not in fact rock. And reminisce about the days of old. Is that what he says? So like, yeah. But how old was he at the time that he must have only been? Is he's like an old soul guy? He definitely strikes me as an old soul guy. Actually, now that I say that. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he's definitely like a man. The good old days, man. I forgot all the songs that Bob wrote until I actually had to go through the This Is Bob Seger. I was like, God damn, he wrote some fucking huge songs. There's so many of them. And I legitimately was like, no, fuck this song. Immediately it comes on. I'm like, oh, I forgot. Fuck that. I would rather listen to fucking Like a Rock, which is also an atrociously terrible song and brings back PTSD from my childhood. I'd rather listen to that all day, every day. As soon as you hear that piano lick, it's oh just like, God. God, here comes fucking Tom Cruise in his underwear. Yes, exactly. So, okay, just mentioned disco. This song shits on disco. Something about Don't Take Me to a Disco. About four months after this song came out, that disco demolition night thing in Chicago happened where that dickhead DJ had all those people yeah. bring disco albums to a baseball doubleheader and they blew them up midfield. Yeah. Basically a very dog whistle coded anti-gay, anti-black thing because so much disco music was made by and for gay and black people. Just imagine the idea that music that uh, isn't Bob Seger exists in the world. Basically, this is what happens with everyone, right? In all of history, things slowly change and musical tastes, there's ebb and a flow. Like right now in history, right this moment, hip hop is the biggest thing in the universe by far. So rock and roll is on this fucking downtrend at the moment because it's all shitty, a lot of shitty music. And they're like, well, we got to blow up all this disco. Everyone likes disco now. Well, yeah, dude, fucking things change. Nobody ever wants anything to fucking change. They don't want to have to dance. Yes, here's the thing, they though. They don't want to have here's to learn how to dance. You don't have to fucking dance. You don't have to listen to disco. You don't have to listen to anything you don't like. That's the genius of America. You are free to listen to literally anything, man. And we are allowed to dog on it. You can listen to music, or you can listen to podcasts, or you can listen to this podcast about music. You should only listen to this podcast about music and you should stop listening to music altogether. And then you can be like, you know, music sucks. I think that is accurate. Also, if Bob Seger is your favorite band, your favorite band sucks. You are welcome for another Detroit rock city episode of your favorite band sucks. Look, vintage Bob Seger t-shirts probably cost at least a couple hundred bucks these days. Get yourself some more reasonably priced swag while supporting this podcast by heading over to shop.yfbspod.com. Sorry to all the dirty fucking hippies listening to the show. If you were upset by any comments you heard, please know we are running a clearance sale on the last of the tie-dye t-shirts in our web store right now. We are selling those fuckers for only $8 until they're all gone. So steal one of your friend's credit cards or whatever you got to do to stay off the grid and go get yourself sorted out. As mentioned, all of our episode choices are selected by a very advanced AI algorithm. It's been that way from the beginning of the show. We love our AI algorithm and computers in general. Just want that on the record prior to the coming wars between man and machine. 
Uh, that being said, sometimes our little AI friend does do things a little weird. We're still in the very early days with this technology. It's probably to be expected, etc., etc. Just as an example, we've done a bunch more modern acts lately, and that's always fun. But while all of these baby boomers are still alive, there's just nothing like the reaction we get from doing artists of that classic rock era. So we told our AI, you know, hey, still do your thing and keep deciding what bands we should do next. But when you're weighing all of the options, if you could just put a little extra weight on some of the stuff that was really popular in the middle of the 1970s, that would be great. Which is how we wound up doing this episode on Bob Seger, and I'm guessing it's also how the next episode of this podcast was selected, because when the podcast returns, we will be discussing how much the band The 1975 Sucks.